1: Yesterday, you heard Port One of my conversation with Dr. Meg Meeker regarding issues that America's youth are facing and the challenges that parents have, uh, including the LGBTQ agenda and the rise of well, what we're going to talk about today is teen suicide. So listen, if you didn't hear yesterday's, please go back. It will bless you and it will help you. And some of what we're going to talk about today is probably not appropriate for younger children, so please be aware and use discretion regarding that. So let's go ahead and jump into part two of my interview with Dr. Meg Meeker, who has called me on the phone, and Dr. Meeker, welcome.
2: Well, thanks for having me. It's
1: always a pleasure, Victor. Well, you know what? I know people listened to yesterday, and they're just they're waiting on pins and needles for us to get right in the content to help them. We're, we're going to start off talking about Parents that struggle with kids who are rebellious, and we'll we'll bump it up to teen years, because that's typically synonymous with teenager, the word rebellion, and some of it's natural, some of it's hormonal, some of it is the pressure of the culture, and some of it is just darkness. So why don't you tell... I mean, would you tell us kind of in your, what's your experience in dealing with parents and teens? What are you seeing lately?
2: Sure. I, you know, of course I have an online community, so I get questions through that in addition to the patients I see in my practice. And one of the themes that I see recurring is that teenagers are very rebellious against their parents, not just the normal, I need independence and make my own decisions, but swearing at their parents, coming after their parents, you know, doing things their parents don't want in spite of the fact that their parents told them over and over, don't do that. Really just being disrespectful, not listening to their parents and threatening to run away. It's almost like they're just really out of control and parents call or write and say, help me. You know, what do I do? How do we get to this point? And what do I do? i try to discipline this kid and quote, get him under control, but nothing's working.
1: Well, I would say first parents try Benadryl. Okay. That's a joke. That's just a Cajun (laughs) joke. Benadryl and whiskey and tell them they have allergies and go to bed. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's, uh, I want to laugh because you have to bring humor into this because it's painful. And I'm speaking as a parent who has experienced it. Uh, For those of you listening, Uh, You know, we're transparent with our life. We have a marriage course we share. um, And you can actually go to it to victormarks.com forward slash marriage um, where we have an online course you can take as a single parent or married, divorced, whatever. But Eileen and I share, you know, 33 years of experience, and it's not been easy. It's been a complicated marriage, especially raising five kids. Uh, But let me just say this. Parents, I know how difficult it is when you've got a little hellion in your house that you can't get a hold of because there's probably not many parents listening that had to put a restraining order on their own teenager to go into court and put a restraining order on their own teenager. Now, that just got some of your attention. I'm looking at my producer, Mike Segovia. His mouth just dropped open. You didn't even know that, did you, buddy? And we've been friends a long time, so you know. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't put that kid up for adoption because they were too old, and no one would take them. So, uh, you know, <laughs> we, we again, I want to use humor because it's painful, it's heart wrenching. Uh, I know what it's like to hold my wife and us just cry. And and toggle between tears and wanting to, you know, choke that kid. And the, and the reality is there are dark forces that are assailing your child's mind. Our culture is supporting that, and you're not alone. You are not alone. So I just kind of want to establish that uh, for context as we go into this uh, because we tried everything, counseling, medication, all that. Uh, and it ended up really being a very serious demonic issue, but the culture, you know, this world, our flesh and the devil is what we're always working against and there there's a great onslaught against our kids. so I guess we can just back up kind of what do you tell a parent, you know uh, when they go, my kid's dropping the f-bomb on me how do you get a hold of that?
2: well, That is very hard. And it kind of, I look, first of all, what are the dynamics of the family? You know, what's the family situation? If it's a single mom, it can be really out of control because as that testosterone level rises in a teenage boy and he has no dad around, and particularly if he has no contact with his dad, he will let it rip on his mother. And it can be physically very dangerous for uh, a single mom because one thing is, Boys tend to back off a bit if they have a dad in the home, uh, physically. And what I say to parents, you know, is first of all, you know, it's very complicated. And I would say any kid who is acting that badly is screaming out for help on some level. Because I don't think at the end of the day, kids really get pleasure out of being like that I think there is miserable and I think that the the whole remedy is to say okay what's the answer and how can we get to the root of why this kid's acting this way and sometimes it's a combination of things it's hormonal it's worsened by some of their peers because some of their peers are doing the same thing and they want to be just like their peers Um, sometimes it's anger it's just anger at the parents or anger at the situation or angry because they don't have a mom or dad. And then there's also perhaps a biologic component to it, which is, you know, if there's a history, a strong genetic history of depression in the family or bipolar or something like that, you need to know that as well. So I think it's like the perfect storm, honestly, Victor. And for every teenager, it's different because the why for every teenager is different because they're biologically not the same, their family situation's not the same um, their friendships are not the same and so I find if we can get to the bottom of it and we tease each of those threads apart um, that can help get the kid on the right track and as you said demonic, I mean that's an, another one in there too of course but I also want to encourage parents it takes time to get kids out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to happen in a month. So yeah. a lot of it is holding on as the healing process takes hold. Now I don't have personal experience, so I would love to hear what you say, Victor.
1: For us in, in our family, you know, we were both involved in, in ministry. Um, and then I had a, you know, I've had issues with PTSD and, uh, which complicated everything. So I, I completely agree with everything you just said. And we'll start with it's complicated, right? Hopefully, for most people, your kids just bump into. Now, I have five children, and we only had one that was really just like out of this, out of control, and was a challenge, uh, you know, the entire parenting deal. Uh, but I would say this first parents, let's just do with the kid, ask them, ask. Hey, why are you so angry? You know, now just sit down. Just I'm just wondering, why are you are you so angry? What what's going on? And see if they can process or verbalize or self aware enough. Because most of the time, they just go, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, and then just support them. Go, hey, I want to help you. I hate feeling angry, so I know how you feel. That's miserable, and maybe it's just a moment. Maybe they can get to where they're explaining. You know, they're being rejected at school. They're made fun of. They're struggling with schoolwork, whatever, right? That's kind of the typical, I would say, the easier aspects of dealing with a a teenager who's out of control or struggling. And then it can escalate to where now you get kids who have a right to be angry regarding stuff maybe the parents have done. And, you know, I've worked with, Troubled teenagers who were incarcerated. As a matter of fact, I mean, you want to know an extreme case. that I'll, I'll be interviewing him, but uh, there's a young man that we're, at, we're He's in an intern to discipleship program that we're doing in our ministry. Uh, but, you know, unfortunately, he came from such a broken background, such a horrendous deal. 60 Minutes actually did a story on him. Uh, he killed his dad when he was 10 years old. And, mm. I mean, it doesn't get worse than that. But now he's, you know, 21. Uh, he spent his entire childhood uh, from 10 to, you know, 19 uh, uh, and 20, actually still on, on the parole and adjudicated in prison. Uh, so, so there's hope. Uh, but, but I would say parents, if you're divorced, if it was nasty, if it was ugly, your parent, it, it, your child's going to feel angst. There's supposed to be two parents in a home period. Whether it was right or wrong, whether you messed up, whether the other one, whether it just didn't work out. So you know, find out. And a lot of times kids will say, yeah, why, why, doesn't, why isn't my dad here for me? If he loves me, why isn't he here? I never forget a young girl who's incarcerated, beautiful little gal. We start talking about, you know, father wounds and parent wounds and she goes, she just started crying. She said, he always called me as a little princess and he loved me. Then he left, and I haven't mm. seen him in years. What did I do wrong?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So teenagers, that either swallow that grenade or they'll start throwing it at people. And at least if they're throwing it, at least they're getting it out. It's painful for everybody around them, but there's still hope versus if they just turn in, become depressed. Uh, and we'll talk about th- those kids who move toward suicidal ideology and even attempting suicide. So parents... You have to take a look at what are you responsible for, own it, you know, and explain it to your child. So that, that is some advice, like, from my perspective.
2: I think I love it because you're absolutely right. Because what it comes down to is this balance. And that's really what you're talking about, where you have, you know, you hold the line on one side, which parents don't want to do because they think it's mean to their kids. Um, that you can't speak to me that way. You can't throw stuff in the house. You can't hurt me or my stuff. You, you can be angry and we can work it through. But if this happens, then you know, you're know you going to get a lot of your stuff taken away. But parents, I mean, with, particularly with electronics, I can't do that. I yeah. can't do oh, that. Yeah. And they can't. Oh, yes, you can. As a matter of fact, I had a friend um, who's actually, ex- her husband was a pastor. And she found him looking at pornography on his laptop. She took the laptop in the driveway and ran over it with her car. Good for her. Yes. yes. And we have to be willing to sort of really say to our kids, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, I'm not going to buy you all this stuff and have all this stuff. If you're going to act like the devil in my house. And yet to balance that with those conversations, you know what you're really hurting. And I can see you're hurting and I want to do what I can to help you and I know that I'm probably responsible for some of that hurt so I want you to be able to really talk this through or let's, let's work it through the other thing so, so they're feeling that balance of love and empathy and strict rules and that's what kids really, they do. To. They they really want to really yeah. But if you have too much of one or too much of the other, they're they're out the door. And um, so I, I sort of see it as this road you're taking your kids down on each side. There's a big wall, you know, and they're going to run into that brick wall because if they don't, they're going to go off a cliff and it's on either side. And unfortunately, sometimes that brick wall is you, but you have to do it because kids, kids are hard. Kids can be really hard. And I think. In this day and age, it's even harder for kids because kids are lonelier. Yeah. They're connected. They spend less time with their parents because the truth is a lot of parents are on their electronics, too. Yep. And that's very, very painful for kids, you know, and I see it all the time. As a matter of fact, you know, I hear parents say, oh, I got to decrease screen time. My kid's on their phone too much. I said, well, look at you. How, yeah. ma- how much time are you on your phone?
1: Well, no, that's, that's true. That's not only true, it's convicting. Now, in the realm of electronics, I'll, I'll tell parents, you know, we used to call it the if-then, what-if-then chart, meaning if a kid did something, then there was a consequence. We actually wrote it out. If you lie, here's the consequence. If you, you know, smack your sibling, here's the consequence. It was written out on a big poster board. So we would say, okay, what happened? Of course, this is when they were younger. Yeah, I pulled her hair. Okay, go to the what-if board and tell me what's your consequence. Oh, I've got to oh. clean their room. Okay, great. So, therefore, the parent isn't the bad person, but the law is, and it's the law that they agreed to. <laughs> have yeah. have yeah. you ever heard of anything like that?
2: <laughs> I've never heard of that, but, <laughs> you know, I, I think that the trick there is, and I think it's brilliant, you know, the consequences. So yes. don't put me in a position where I have to give them out. Right. So don't do this so that you have to go to the board and say, Oh, now I got to clean my room or make me say it. Right. You know, you're in charge of all this and kids respond to that. Cause they realize, Oh, you know, I brought that consequence on.
1: Yes. And it really prepares them for like real life. Because that's what we're trying oh, yeah. to do. Hey, you you just can't throw things or hit people or yell without there being real consequences. And and parents, if, if your kid does something at school and there's a consequence or whatever, let them reap the consequence. Too many times parents protect their children. That's dangerous. Because you're providing an artificial environment that's not going to be real. And also, it doesn't help them to build resiliency, which matters. Now, I want to switch... For uh, the the next part of our program, very important. There's parents out there to go, my kid's distant, withdrawn, stay in their room, angry, moody, depressed, and suicidal. I'm scared my child is going to act out uh, in in some way that they harm themselves. What? First of all, what are the telltale signs that a parent should be looking for? to see if their kid is struggling in that way?
2: Well, that's a great question. And some, you know, often there aren't um, any, um, you know, every child is the same and all of the symptoms aren't the same. But but typically, if you have a child who is depressed, and a lot of parents pass off depression as normal pain behavior. So if you see your child withdrawing, you know, he used to spend an hour in his room in the evening playing video games or whatever. Now he's in his room three, four, five hours at a time, and you can't get him out of his room. You notice that um, he's switching friends, or his friends, or he doesn't even want to be with his friends. Um, he's not sleeping well, and he's saying, "I'm just tired all the time. I don't know what's going on." Um, and you know, when he's isolating himself. So even from social media or his phone and he's just kind of pulling away. Also, if there's any kind of change in appetite, he starts eating way too much or stops eating at all. That's a big red flag. But a lot of it for parents is using your gut. You know, look in your kid's face and what do you see? Does your child just not seem the same? Um, is your child hanging around different friends? The other thing too is drug use. A lot of kids who start to plummet downward into depression will start, um, you know, using weeds. They'll um, start drinking. Um, They might use meth. And of course, the parents don't know that. But if you look for a sudden change in your child's personality, that's a clue that there might be um, some drug use going on. And if you see those things, then you really need to approach your son or daughter and sit down at a time when they're going to really pay attention to you. And it's not going to be right after school or right after soccer or whatever. And a non,
1: and also in a non-conflict moment,
2: right? That's, yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, yeah. You don't want to have an argument and go, oh, by the way, I think you're depressed anyway. So right. no, no, no. And you always sit down and rather than lecturing to them, you say, I'm concerned about you. You don't seem like yourself. And, I want to help in any way that I can. And then sometimes I'll say, are you, do you feel sad? Do you feel angry? Do you feel frustrated? Do you feel lonely or whatever? And you kind of pull these out of kids. Sometimes I'll just flat out ask if they're depressed. And, you know, sometimes they'll tell you. Another trick that I use with my patients is I say, okay, on a scale of one to 10, one is, You want to kill yourself, and that's what you think about, and you've tried. Ten being, you're the happiest person in the world, and you never get angry, and you never get set. What number would you give yourself today? Or what what range of numbers would you give yourself over the past month? And if kids tell me it's much below five, that's a big red flag. Mm. If they say it's, oh, six or seven most of the time, or seven to eight, you're in good shape if you feel your child is telling you the truth. The other thing is kids can buffalo you. Kids can act really normal, really happy, um, and they do what you want them to do, but they're hiding. They're hiding because they don't want you to know how bad they feel because they don't want you to worry. And But you can kind of tell those kind of kids because those are the, the kind of kids that wanted to please parents all along. So that can be hard for parents. It's actually easier to deal with the kids who you see these signs outward because then you can get them help.
1: That's gold right there. I mean, that right there is what people needed to hear today. Dr. Meeker, yeah. what is a good way for people to get to that community uh, that you offer where they can go online?
2: The best thing to do is go to my uh, website, meekerparenting.com. And um, they will see opportunities right now. We just transitioned the name from uh, Meeker Parenting Community to Parent Great Kids Community because all kids are great. And I want parents to understand. I've never, ever met a kid I didn't like. And I like to work with some really tough kids, not as many as you have. But I always look on the inside and I see greatness in every child. I also, want to, I also want to say, as we uh, finish our program, Victor, there are a lot of kids out there who are suicidal and maybe even attempt suicide who don't end up committing suicide. Right. So just because you see your child going down really fast, um, get on the stick, do what you can, you know, do what we just talked about, but always have hope uh, for your kid because not all kids, end up there. But, um, I really appreciate the time to to be on your uh, program, Victor, and really just to encourage parents. God wants your kids to do well. God wants your kids to live and be healthy. And he wants the same for you.
1: No, thanks. And and last question, I saved it for today. The second broadcast is we all die and you're going to die unless Christ comes back according to what we believe and takes us with a big corporate group. What happens to Meg, the person, not the doctor, just Meg, the, the, the lady, when she closes her eyes for the last time? And why do you believe it?
2: Oh, my. I jumped into his arms. As a matter <laughs> of fact, my, my, my husband's kind of anxious to go. I said, stop, stop. Because he loves, so yeah. Much. yeah, I came to the point, at, you know, in my life where Christ became real, I said to him, I want to do life your way. Mm. I want to follow you. And by the way, I love you, too. And the longer you walk in that, the more you realize that you will be 100% with him. But he is always faithful. And I'm not afraid to die. I really mm. am not afraid to die because I've seen a lot of people die and I've seen what they look like as Christ takes them. And it is so amazing picture. So that's where I go. And yeah, I don't want to get there tomorrow. Right.
1: No, thank you so much. I mean, uh, we're all smiling over here to hear your enthusiasm and excitement and, and people need to hear that level of faith to go, is it really that real? And it can be for those of you listening if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, he died on the cross for you, and he loves you. And just tell him, I want to follow you. There's things you can pray, but none of the prayers are magical. It's just, do you put your faith and trust in him? Do you believe that he died and was raised from the dead for you, which makes him the authority over death? And that's why yeah. Dr. Meeker isn't afraid of death, because heaven is real. And you know what? If you want more information, go to VictorMarks.com you'll see where we have a link to help you understand the half steps with peace with God, because that's the most important thing, this side of heaven. Well, thanks again, Dr. Meeker, for being on the program, and I look forward to our next time together.
2: Great. Thanks so much, Victor.
1: Well, if you'd like to find out more, which I'm sure you do, go to MeekerParenting.com. That's M-E-E-K-E-R Parenting.com. Find out more about how Dr. Meeker can help you and you know what, folks, wherever you are, whatever you're doing with full throttle for his glory, we love you and appreciate y'all. We'll see you next time on the Victor Art show. Now go get it done.
0: Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.